0: Anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> I think Hannah wants to audition. Yeah. Is there a part that she can have? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um... Oh, here it is. I couldn't notes. That was right. Great. Well, it's so good to be together. Um... About a month ago, almost exactly, many of us, most of us, were up in the redwoods. Remember remember that? Most of you up at a little retreat? And at that retreat, um, I shared about a tension that we are aware of. A good tension, but a tension nonetheless. Between two things. The first of them is the absolute deep conviction in what we're doing right now. I.e. the ancient liturgy of 2,000 years of the Christian church... To gather together at the Christian start of our week, which is not the same as the world. You know, Christians believe, the Christian calendar is that our week begins on a Sunday, not a Monday. And it begins with us coming, and coming together as his people, and entering into the presence of God. And I burned, I think, with passion. Because I vividly remember, I'm 43 now, I remember being 21 in Canterbury as an atheist... I had a conversation with a girl outside a bar. Uh, I was like, oh, you've been out for a few beers? And she said, no, I've been praying. It was a Saturday night. She said it confidently in front of all these British cynical people coming out in front of a bar. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit, is the only way I can put it, just sort of invaded me, annoyingly. or came, And I just found myself unable to stop thinking about Christianity. And I found my way to this little church, city church, and I remember that, su- that Sunday coming in, and there was a couple hundred people, and it was a very average building, and honestly, I don't remember really anything about the whole meeting, apart from this. Sensing in my soul this presence, this warmth, this something in my inner being that I didn't know what to do with. And now, I, as a Christian, I totally believe that's the presence of God. And I remember being there and being emotional and thinking, the last thing I want to do is become a Christian. Christians are weird. Christians are judgmental. Nobody likes Christians in England. They hate Christians. The media loathes them. So it was like, this can't be happening. But anyway, long story short, I come to Christ. The key moment for me was coming on a Sunday. Yes, individual conversation crucial outside of bar. Okay, I believe that. But this is what I'm appealing for in an age of individualism. There was the shared deal where we were together, or the church was together, And Jesus says, we're two or more gathered, there I am. There's something about you who come together that is different to just being on your own. I can't totally explain it, but I passionately believe in it. So anyway, I talked about that, how crucial what we're doing is, but I also, and I would say, I passionately believe in San Francisco, where churches are dying left, right, and center, and many people who do not like Christians are are huddled together. Churches that are based around the Bible Loving the gospel story. Believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Breaking bread. Confessing sins. Prophesying in power. Man, we need churches like that in this city. Amen? That's what Amen. Well, I think so anyway. And I, and I was feeling that. But I was feeling this tension that almost like practically the running of these Sunday events, week in, week out, was just not sustainable. Because of a few factors. Number one was our sheer size. And... The closer you get to the running of this little Sunday, the more you realise how incredibly thinly spread we are all the time. Just to put on the basics, because of our size, because of our attendance, i.e. the the trend of our group is that people are generally away 50-55% each week. Which if you're a thousand isn't so big a deal, but when, when you're 25 or whatever it's a really big deal. Honestly, thirdly, I talked about serving. And because you guys are busy, there's a strong no-muscle in this community. Um, which isn't entirely wrong. But then when you try and get things to actually happen, it's, it's been hard. And even fourthly, the gifting that's needed for these kind of Sundays, so that we do them well, um, is kind of there, but also kind of not. So, um, to state the obvious, you know, we love this. We love this deal, but all of us, I'm sure, are here believing that God wants to do something over this next season that is ultimately building a mighty, strong, multiplying church in the heart of San Francisco. We love these early days, right? We love it when our kids are small, but we want our kids to grow up, right? You know, you don't want it to stay as a child the whole time. And I think I was trying to share that there's this tension... Um, that we really need to be real. You are all very busy. I'm very busy. And we have to be really aware of, if we only have a little bit of energy, where can we focus and where should we focus? Is it really on doing small groups every week and doing Sundays every week and doing prayer meetings, you know, like running a church? Or is the Spirit saying, actually, at this time, I want to give you a little bit of a, a change of wineskin, a change of rhythms um, to help us actually be slightly more in step with the Spirit. Because for me, and for some of you, it's important that you hear me say this, because that that time in the Redwoods was exciting but sober, and I think some of you have been like holding your breath of like, what's going to happen to us? The first thing I want you to know is very personally, I absolutely feel God has said to me, you are meant to be in San Francisco. Tom Shaw, the Shaw family, like even if all of you ultimately aren't, I feel personally, particularly in the last few weeks, God has been birthing in me more and more a love for this city. And I, I think actually it was kind of, and I'll talk about this in a minute in more detail, but kind of robbed. Because when I landed, various things happened, most of all COVID, which meant the basic way that you can settle into a city and fall in love with a city was robbed. And actually, that's a big deal, but it's changing all the time. Hallelujah. Thank God. And things are shifting. I also don't feel permission to leave, personally. I've thought about this, prayed about this. God, what are you saying? If we're struggling to even get Sundays going, is it time to call it a day? And I hope you've got invited to be very free to say, for you personally, you may say, I love you, I bless you, but we're going to bow out. And that remains 100%. But for me personally, I was like, I I just don't feel permission in God to do that. Um, And you need to hear me say that as the leader of this thing. It's important that you know. that, And that's a big deal because I love England. And I've had a job offer at this time. And, you know, a very enticing one. And I'm saying, no, I think God wants me here still. And finding a way through. And you need to hear me say that. And I would say this. I think San Francisco really beats this church. And I have said, and I mean this, there's lots of good churches, and there are, and a lot of these church pastors are some of my best friends, so I really say that. But I also have felt since I spoke a few weeks ago, I don't want to have a false humility. Where I do believe that there are things God is putting in here in embryonic form that are incredibly important for the sake of the city. Things like talking about mental health and being honest and transparent, really loving the Bible. Like coming under its authority, not just, yeah, we get in the Bible. Really centering the Holy Spirit. And some of you have got baggage around the Holy Spirit for legitimate reasons, because you've known charismaniacs. And I just want to assure you, as a British person, from a stiff upper lip culture, it's possible to love the Holy Spirit and know his power, and it not be weird in a bad way. And I would even say we desperately need more of that. Because most San San Franciscans are used to supernatural things happening, just not in the Christian church. With their gurus or in their spiritual realms that they're connected with. So I, I felt like, no, we, we need, I need, I'm, I'm calling us. I can feel the presence of me now. I feel, I feel like he's saying this. There are things he wants to do. And he does not want this to be a stillborn child. And he is calling us with all my heart, I believe. But we still need to make some tweaks in this season because limits are real and I've been feeling them and you've been feeling them and limits are a gift and I'm going to talk about those in a minute when we feel those limits we can't do this without burning out nearly always God's saying guess what I want you to change how you do things and those limits are a good thing they're not to be violated they're to be listened to and led into so I'm going to talk about a change of season that I think will allow or a change of rhythm that will allow two key things to happen first of all For us actually to celebrate and centre around and prize the amazing fruit that God is bringing up in so many of your lives already that we never really hear about. I was just talking with Robbie minutes ago about his spike ball thing, which is mushroomed. He started leading that club just a few weeks ago, and in the last month it's gone from 25 to 50. He is a pastor... He is a shepherd to all these people who are loving him. His calendar's bursting with, 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 with time with these people. He's I can't keep up with it all. You know, and I know, I think about George. George is amazing. pastor of shepherding in this valley. Everyone knows George. He's only been there a couple of years during COVID. And yet so many people. I love George. I know George. His presence in my life is so meaningful. And I could go around this room and I'll, I don't want to embarrass people, but many of you, Parents, as your children start, you know, a musical theatre company and they get in, there's there's adventures ahead in terms of relationship as we have capacity, and we don't just see these, as, see these as incidental relationships. These are just you know, they're just friendships. No! Relationships are the main lens of life. We have a relational, that is what life is about, in, I believe biblically. And that's what I said again and again. That is the big thing. And I want us to say, let's change our rhythms <laughs> so that number one, we can we can actually live in each other's lives and go, man, let's hear about unhurriedly what God is doing to each of you. Those friendships, those connections that you're making in work. Um, it's it's amazing. And this is this is like crucial that this gets airtime and like these these roots of these flowers come up in, in us as a community. But secondarily, this new rhythm, I think, will also allow us to steadily build towards the shared goal of a launch team, i.e. a group of men and women, who are not just connected with the church and being blessed by it, but can say, I want to build with this community. Which means I have capacity, number one, when we do launch weekly Sundays... For that first season to be really present the vast majority of Sundays. I'm going to be present. I've got capacity. Number two, to serve, because I believe in Sundays, and I'm going to serve once or twice a month. And thirdly, I'm going to be inviting, inviting, inviting. Anyone who will listen to me, I will be inviting. Now, some of you will go like, oh, Tom, I haven't got capacity to do those three things. And that is, as I've said repeatedly, is fine. However, you will understand We, therefore, really do need to find a way of connecting with men and women who right now are disconnected from church, who would love to be part of this, who probably don't even know we exist, and are actually like, oh, I am desperate for a Bible-centered, word-loving, community-embracing church, and I can be part of that launch team. I can be part of those specific things that when the time comes, will enable us to launch Sundays in a strong way. Right? Because us doing that is a crucial thing. And if we, if we are woefully short in terms of that man-woman power, then the crucial elements of Sundays as a part of our family will just be uh, really difficult. And a lot of you won't even know it. Because you're just coming and you will Oh, I didn't know that behind the scenes it's creaking. And so we want to actually be... Um, Clear about that. So, the other thing I want to say is this. I've been living with a phrase in the last couple of weeks that's been really helpful, which is mission before meetings. I think I even have it on a slide. Mission before meetings. Just to qualify this, I'm not saying mission instead of meetings. As in, it's all about mission and meetings aren't important. You've heard my heart about the importance of the gathered church. And I'm not saying mission is more important than meetings or mission forever in place of meetings. But what I am saying is, I do believe that at this particular time, we need to change our rhythms so that we can all lean into the God-ordained adventure of mission that he has already for so many of you in your workplaces, with your colleagues, with your neighbours. We need to lean into rhythms that actually give that airtime and space to breathe and ask ourselves the question hey listen I've heard what God's doing how can I be in on that and if you know Billy Atkins he will be rejoicing in his heart because this big thing has been on his front burner for well over a year that thing how do we celebrate what God is doing through the relationships that you are growing in this place how do we celebrate that and help you see it as an incredibly important thing Mission before uh, before, not before, miracles, mission before meetings. And I think what I'm trying to say is if we just keep trying to add this stuff in and I'm talking about all these different events, and you're like, oh, Tom, I'm so busy anyway. What I'm trying to say is, I know. And actually, we all need to go, well, how do we make space at the table for a few things we can do rather than just trying to do everything? So the headline then, the very simple change of our... Of our um, of our rhythms, rather than doing weekly Sundays in here every single week, trying to do Sunday services and small groups. We're actually going to go back to a rhythm that we did about a year and a half ago before COVID, uh, which was where we will gather uh, in a Sunday service style once a month. Pop-up church, we called it. Pop-up deliberately just to help people understand the uh, expectations. If they're coming in, this isn't some mega church it's going to be good, it's going to be a good meal, but it's going to be probably simple because we're a baby thing, right? So once a month, we're going to do pop-up in here, probably the second Sunday of the month, okay? So it's easy to remember and you can have it in your mind. And that way, we can hopefully do it really well. We, we're not stretched too thin. And really importantly, we are able as a, as a team to be saying, I know it's coming, and Holy Spirit, are there people that you're going to connect me with? Disconnected Christians, perhaps. Or people who say, I'm not a Christ follower, but you're actually alright. You're not weird. Well, you're weird, but in a kind of good way. You believe in this resurrected Jesus, which is mad and crazy, but you're kind of normal, and I'd like to come. And if we know we're doing these less often, but really well, I think that's going to serve us hugely. The other Sundays are still going to be just as important. Say, just as important. Just important. But what we want to do, is, and it's what we used to do, is have really easy invite socials, where you know Robbie's fifty Spikedle friends could maybe some of them could actually come and connect with the body of Christ. But we're not going to whip out a Bible and start preaching. We're just going to be normal, okay? We're just going to be normal and chat and trust that God is doing something. And people who are desperately lonely, desperately disconnected, they actually, deep down, are desperately yearning. Not just for community, even. The body of Christ is so profound. And we just want to make ways in which we can do that often. And also, thirdly, we'll have Sundays where we serve. We roll up our sleeves and we get on board with a serving opportunity. There's so many different serving opportunities we can do. And honestly it's good for our soul, it brings us together, but it means we get in contact with people who are on a Sunday morning, they're not coming here, they're going to go and clean up Bernal Heights, or they're going to clean up Dog Patch or wherever. And we're like, hey let's, let's actually do that and see what God might do. Midweek rhythms will change from three separate small groups to one gathered group together. We will alternate the houses, it will probably be quite a large group, but I think that will be great fun. We'll eat together. Can I have a hurrah? We'll eat together. Um, I'm sure we'll catch up. There will be certainly fellowship. Um, however, I want to be up front. For this season, there are also going to be a time where we will primarily be sharing how are things going in your life with regards you connecting with the city around you. That is going to be a big agenda item. It will be in. We will certainly then spend time praying, 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 so it will be up. But it will be, it won't just be like a small group gathering. It will be more like we're, we're praying that God is going to use us. And it will feel a bit more missionary. But it will still be a lot of fun, alright? Trust me. Um, and the goal of this, all of this, of this changing of rhythms, will be so we can launch a strong, sustainable Sunday, weekly Sunday public meeting. meeting, God willing, In the first half of next year. Because we passionately believe in that. But when we do that. We'll have both. Much greater friendship networks. With those who don't know Jesus. But also much greater numbers with us. Of disconnected Christians right now. Who are floating around. Who are desperate for a church. And can say hey. I'm going to pick up an oar. I'm going to pick up a paddle. And help get these Sundays. Done in a way that's really done well. I think that's what God's going to do. I absolutely believe it. I just think most people do not know we even exist. And actually God wants, I think, to get the word out into this city um, that God called us to be part of the body of Christ here. And he wants to draw people in. Now, some of you are sitting here going, great, um, that's fine, Tom. Long announcement, but I get it, no problem. And that's fine. But I want to actually, I don't want to rush this. Because I think it's not just a, like, a rhythm change. There's a values thing that is undergirding us, that is a really critical moment. I would be as bold as to say, I think in years to come we'll look back on this time and be like, do you remember that Sunday? That Sunday where we kind of, we changed things because in a way God forced us not just to gather and hope people would come, but actually to say what are we doing with our lives in terms of connecting with the city out there going deep with people in the city and inviting them into the banquet that God wants them to taste. And church history serves as a warning. I don't know how much you know about George Whitfield. Anyone heard of George Whitfield? He was a great revivalist um, who was actually English, but he was in America in the 1700s, I think it was. His contemporary was John John Wesley. Anyone heard of John Wesley? okay? So basically, George, George Whitfield was an evangelist in America and he saw hundreds of thousands of people come to faith. He's probably the greatest preacher of that century. He was unbelievable. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. Okay? He would stand and th- literally tens of thousands of people would hear the presence of God would fall as he proclaimed the word. And they would just be under conviction of the Holy Spirit. It was unbelievable. At the same time in England, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he was a contemporary. but the big difference was was that John Wesley didn't just preach he wasn't as good a preacher as, as George they were friends he was good though but this is the difference he coupled a passion for mission with a kind of organisational gift that yes people come to Christ but then they need to be added into small groups and into Sundays and into a method of organising church life that's why Methodism is called Methodism Because of the method, i.e. it wasn't just about mission, it was about meetings, okay? It wasn't just about flesh, it was about bone. And some some of us can be like, oh, it's all just about going and telling people. Well, that's what George Whitfield said, and he thought that. And when, at the end of his life, he, he chatted with John Wesley, and John Wesley, by this point, had seen hundreds of churches and buildings and incredible communities established all across Britain and the world. He said to John Wesley, in comparison with what you've done, which is combining mission and meetings in Methodism, I feel like everything I've achieved is just a rope of sand. Just a rope of sand. This is, this is George Whitfield, the greatest revival preacher of that century. So this is important that we don't just go, yeah, it's just about telling people. It is connecting, but there needs to be also this 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 left hook, right hook, yeah? It's like we want to connect with people, but then when your your friend comes to faith, Wahib, as has recently happened at work, he needs to somehow find his way into a community. As much as it's amazing you connecting with him, how do we then support you in your supporting of him? And this is happening all the time. We're all having these experiences. It's a wonderful problem to have. So there's three things I want to briefly mention biblically. Number one, biblically... We are called to be salt and light. Number two, we are called to be those who are inviting to a banquet. And number three, we are called to be those that listen to our limits, but also follow the fruit. First of all then, we're called to be salt and light. Jesus says these famous words in Matthew chapter 5. You know them. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, principle number one, which has been stewing in our hearts as we've been pondering these different factors. We are called to be, say be, be salt and light. Now you know this. Salt is only effective in terms of flavour and preserving if it's in contact with that which is around it. If it's near but not in contact, it's useless. Jesus is saying to his followers and to us, the first step is you have to be present. You have to you know you have to be salty in your neighborhoods, in your work rounds, in the world that you are in. You have to be present for you to be effective. When Josie and I first came here two and a half years ago, our kind of leader guy who oversees the whole thing from St. Louis, good friend, his plan was, he said, I think you should come in year one, you should literally just be here. Don't try and do anything, don't get a website don't get a logo, just be San Francisco, just be present learn the rhythms of this city learn the neighbourhoods be be present here without thinking feeling like you've got to do loads of other things, because that in itself for a British family having moved 6,000 miles even getting understanding of schooling, and the political realm and the ethnic realm, and the race history, it's huge just be present Um, And yet, actually, in the first year, in the first six months, we grew from a little family quickly to around 30 adults. And that started to occupy my mind a lot, if I'm honest. Like, okay. And then, six months after that, COVID happened in March. And that group We then pivoted to meeting every Sunday online. Now, it's just online, but suddenly I'm thinking Sunday, 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 Sunday. You know, how do I look after this group? And I think that was right, because we've been through a crazy storm. I'm a shepherd, I hope, and I feel God was saying, look after this flock. However, things aren't changing, right? The city is slowly waking up. And I feel God has been saying, like, it's crucial that you're a shepherd to sanctuary, but you're also called to be a shepherd to your street. And to the parents of, you know, the kids that Daisy's going to connect with. And, you know, the, you're, you're actually a shepherd in the way that so many of you are already doing in your environments. And it's crucial that, Tom, you and Josie be present in San Francisco. And yet, if you are, in a sense, mentally so constantly thinking about Sunday, 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 small groups, small groups, prayer meetings, wild meetings, worship and stuff you're mentally not able to let that settle. And the ironic thing is, the smaller you are, in a weird way, my head is more busy on other things than even if we were bigger. Because when you're bigger, you have more staff who can go, don't worry about that, I've got it. Don't worry about that, I've got that. Whereas at the moment, my little brain, which isn't very sharp anyway, is so mentally involved with so many aspects of like the different departments of church life, I'm like, man, that first bit of just being... You know, connecting deeply into my neighbourhood and the areas around me. I feel like God is saying he wants that. And this is an amazing opportunity, I think, as the city is waking up. Where people are coming out of hibernation, like grumpy bears, and they're wanting to connect. At to Park last night, a thousand of us there. People are desperate to connect. The guy from the front is basically preaching the gospel without Jesus. He's like, we're here and our values as a, as a people are. We want peace. Yeah. We want love. Yeah. And I'm like, man, they want the kingdom. They just don't want the king. But if they knew the king, if they only knew the king, they would be so different. You know, we were in Washington Square last week. 5,000 people come. All the organizers are overwhelmed. They have no thought that that many people would come to watch the Princess Diaries. People are craving. They're craving connection, Right? The craving connection. You know this. You're like, Tom, I get this. I'm with you. So you just preach it, brother. But the craving connection. And I just feel like I was saying, you know, man, with such little effort. Man, there's so many adventures of being in. Let me ask this question. Do you feel like you are being salt and light, you know, in your areas? And, and I know some of you are killing it. So this isn't, maybe it's just me. I'm just maybe rubbish at it. But... I'm thinking of my street and some of the, the big issues that are happening in these houses of domestic violence and other things that I, I want to be present for. I, want, I don't want to just go, oh, I'm too busy. I want to go, no, no, I'm called to this little street at this moment. What does that mean for me? And for all of us, I'm thinking, man, this is, you know, there's so many ways in which God is saying, I want you to be here. When years ago, a group of us came from Radiant Church in Visalia which is where we lived as a family, some of you are from, we had a prayer day here, and we went to Bernal Heights. And we were on the top of the hill, and there was about 30 people, and lots of people who got lost or couldn't find parking, and I was getting quite stressed, because I am a shepherd, not an event organiser. And those are very different things. And I'm like, oh, where's Jimmy and Johnny, and where's Frank? Oh, his kids wandered, and I was going, oh, this is a nightmare. And it was really stressing me out, which meant to be having this holy moment praying on a hill. And I'm like, this is hell. You know, I, this is so stressful because if it's like an event, I'm trying to organise. Next to us, there's 50 Bernal-Heitzians with a huge piano that they're dragged up the hill singing Elton John songs. At the top of their lungs. They're having church. They're together. They're singing. And I, and I was like a bit irritated. I was like, can't you keep down? Can I have a prayer meeting over here? And I've lost half of everyone. And we we had our prayer meeting, we wandered around, we were holy, and And then I remember driving back to Vicelli that night, clear as a bell, I felt God say, Tom, if you weren't trying to organise that event, what would you do? You would sit down, you'd pick up a song sheet, and you'd join in, and you'd make friends. And you would connect with people, one at a time, who've got a story, a precious story, and you would be They're shepherd, whether they know it or not. You would be the the Christ follower who is there, present with them. You are so distracted with running this event. And I just feel like, honestly, I feel a bit of conviction about that. And I feel like that's my own decision. This is not on you. It's just I'm taking you up into my own processing of like, what is this next season about? How do we balance important meetings that keep, keep, you know, the church of God central, but also lean into... A rhythm that's going to allow us each to connect. But then we also see another principle, which is being an in inviting people. In Matthew 22, a few pages later, there's a famous story that you probably know that I love, where Jesus says this, and he's talking with the with the uh, the uh, chief priests and the scribes. Boo! And he says to them, he's trying to hint that the fact that they're rejecting him is kind of a big deal. And he says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying... The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he sent some some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, fattened cattle, have been butchered, and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them, The king was enraged. He sent his army, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now I know the original context is Jesus... Condemning the Jewish authorities. Okay, It's a different context. However, the principle of being an inviting people not just welcoming which is good but proactively inviting I think it shows the heart of Christ. He didn't just welcome us he went after us. He didn't just welcome us when we found our way to God which isn't our story. The Bible tells us that we were dead in our sins. A dead person can't come alive. The Bible tells us that God came after us. He left the 99 and he went after the 1. And that's your story. That's my story. But this is a big deal. Because it's like we have to be an inviting people. And I want to be honest with you. I haven't invited anyone to church. Like almost ever. I was just sitting there thinking. I don't know. There must be a definition of madness. Like to just keep keep doing the same thing. Like where are the people? thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm not inviting them. Because, first step is, I don't really know them. You know, to be present requires knowing people to then invite. And the honest truth is, many of you are. You're not. Some of you are, and you have, they've just said no. Some of you have invited, and they've come, and then they've not stayed. But the honest health check for all of us when we think about this, the question is, are we, are we an inviting people? Are we seeing this sanctuary gathering as a crucial thing that we honestly have faith to bring people to? And it may be that there's things that, the way we do things that, uh, which we can tweak and change to help that. But I was, it was almost comic when I thought, if we just keep putting on church and hope people will come, of course, thank, thank goodness for Google. Stephanie and Jonathan found their way here with no invite, apart from Mr. Google. That's great. It's part of it, but this cult, this like foundation, is not even—it's not even something that's like. Um, it's like basically, if Tom Shaw doesn't become someone who a big part of his life is believing that there will one day be a banquet called the End Times, and every time we come, we break bread. And we feast on the word. It's like a taste. Jesus is like, invite to the banquet. And I was just thinking, do you know what? I think for various reasons, a lot of us would say, I don't even ever really even think about inviting people. And maybe you're all inviting like crazy and everyone's just saying, no, 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 no. I know some of you are. And some of you have invited. And because you're inviting, people have come. And so we think, yeah, we're doing all right. But actually, this is like, when you get to this size, one of the benefits is none of us can hide. (laughs) We need to be those who are like, Lord, you know, um, if I believe that this is something you want to do, then, you know, I I need to be someone who's going to be like, not just present and serving, but actually, like, in the week, Lord, are are there disconnected Christians who are looking for a place? And I really believe in this, and I want to draw them in. Or are there those who would say they're Christians, but would actually be attracted to coming in? And I just think this is, this is a really big deal, because I think sometimes we get over-familiar with what we have. I think we really do. I, this week, and I've asked Alan, he's happy for me to share this. I've got a little book club, and me and Scott uh, lead, and we, we had an impact. It's been online a lot. Uh, some of the, 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 the guys on it are... Are not Christians, and uh, this week we had a we're at the ramp, just down the road, and one of the guys who was leading the discussion, who's not a Christ follower, he just said we'd looked at this subject to do with um, being a Christian means it's not just about being religious means that you work and you kind of God owes you a little bit, whereas a Christian means that you believe in grace, which is like you owe God everything, and He has total like rights to you. And this guy said, that terrifies me. The idea that this God would have complete like, control of me, almost like lordship. And I just said, that's such a great point. I, I would say that it only becomes manageable or like okay when you think about Jesus. Like, the person who owns you is Jesus, who has kind eyes and a gentle posture, and he's for you, and he wants you to flourish. And I just shared a bit of the gospel, and there was like a holy moment at that dinner at that table and this guy, I mean, he, just, he literally just was just sitting there going, I could just sense the presence of God. Owning, it was such a simple truth, right? But I was basically, through what I was saying, was, was, there was an inviting heart of God. Like, keep coming, keep coming. This gospel is so good. It's so good. You can surrender your life. You can have him as Lord, but only if you know him as someone who is kind and good. And I was just thinking, Lord, man, this is like, this is a big deal, you know. Like we, and I just love it that so many of you are are already in a place where you could say you're equivalent. You're like, I know, I get it, Tom. And I'm doing that, and I love it. But it's so crucial that we are all those who are saying, "Look, I have, I don't have much time, so I have to find a way that the rhythms of church help me to, to be present." And to lean into more inviting into the things of God and even sanctuary. Um, so that it's something that we are doing. And not just, honestly, hoping that the church will grow. We need, to, we need to connect with people if we don't know people. Honestly, many of us are new to the city. Some of you have been here way longer. A lot of us are fairly new. And even connecting in is a big challenge. It takes real time and energy. And not just connecting, but inviting. Saying, hey. And notice that there's this situation. Do you want to come to our social? We're going to... She connects at the, at the uh, Fleet Week. We'd love, I'd love you to meet some of my friends. But thirdly, the third principle in all of this is that as we balance these things, we must be a people who listen to our limits and are led by our limits, but also follow the fruit. So Psalm 127 says, um, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is built in vain. And the Lord is building the house. That's the point I'm trying to say. Is when we slow down and go, hey, what's happening in your life? Oh my goodness, that, at that, that. Right now, Billy and Amanda are almost in physical pain because they want to be at a block party that is happening right now in their street. And, and Billy has been, you know, he's finally sharing this. But he's like, we don't really want to come to church. We do want to come because we love you. But we so want to be with those guys. And I'm like, yes. That is a brilliant tension to have. Because this is important. Coming and being encouraged. And is crucially important. But man, that block party is so important. And so the second we finish, these guys will be gone. And I celebrate that. And I know more and more of us are having that healthy tension. Which is why we are going to be changing these rhythms. To allow the honouring of what God is doing. The celebrating of it. And almost like how can we... How can we fish with you? How can we be with you? Not to see people as projects at all, to see them as friends. But we're not going sh- to hide the fact that we believe God's good and real. And we don't have to. You know, We can love them, be honest about that, and then not be projects. So we want to listen to our limits, which is why we're saying we can't do everything. So what can we do? That feels like in line with where the fruit is. Because John 15, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. And one of the things I want to say in all of this is, you know, I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, you just got to serve on Sundays in a roster. You don't need me doing that. That's me being an events manager. And I hate that. I want to be your shepherd. What you need is actually, first of all, to feel honoured that in your places of residence where you're living and you're working, God is at work in those relationships. Like, heaven is bothered deeply bothered about every person you know it's like a huge thing and we want to start around there and trust that as law as, as we honor that that God will add to us as a launch team so that when the Sunday bit feels right we can pull up, pull this off he's added strength to us so we can do the Sunday bit and it not be not done very well or just like really, really, you know, Tom preaching all the time. Whatever, you know, we, we want it to be a shared thing so we can have teams that are strong and actually put on the church in display in a way that's really um, enticing.